Welcome to the Runner's Roundtable podcast. My name is Stephanie Diaz, and in season two of the Runner's Roundtable, I'll be talking to different female run coaches about their running stories and coaching philosophies. In this episode, I'm talking to Nicole Castillo, a yoga teacher and run coach with Rising Mountains Coaching. Nicole shares her thoughts on how running and yoga complement one another, dealing with disappointing race experiences, and the importance of remembering that running is something we get to do. Enjoy our conversation and thanks for listening. Welcome everyone to Runner's Roundtable, where in season two, I'm talking to different female run coaches. And today I am joined by Nicole Castillo. I am so excited to have you here because you are someone that I've been following on Instagram for a while. And one of the reasons I'm so excited to have you here is because you and I have the same two intersections of run and yoga, and in particular, run coaching and teaching yoga. And I hope that we kind of touch upon those two things at some point in this conversation. But before we get there and before I share anything else, can you tell us your running story? Hi, Stephanie. Thank you so much for having me today. I was really honored and I'm grateful that you, you know, wanted to talk to me about run coaching. Um, Yeah. So my running story I didn't run when I was a kid. Um, I did wasn't on, you know, track. I wasn't, you know, I didn't run during school, during high school, during college, nothing. Um, I wasn't really even really active at all, you know, growing up. I mean, I played outside a lot, you know, um, as a kid and I was on the volleyball team, I think in the seventh grade, but that was like the extent of my athleticism. <laughs> um I'm sorry, my cat is like really <laughs> trying to <laughs> just get wants in the to way make here. an appearance too. <laughs> yeah, like right here. Sorry about that. Uh, and for everybody that follows me knows that this is like I have two cats, and this is Morris right here. It's the orange one. <laughs> um, so you know, once I finished college, I had a little bit of time um on my hands, and you know, it was just that thing where I was like, you see him right there in the corner. <laughs> just looking at you so lovingly though. Like he looks like he's just like, oh, I know. <laughs> so right he's, he's really trying to get on this laptop. Um, <laughs> so um, where was I? Uh, after college, I decided, you know, I lived really close to the beach. Um, and so I had the boardwalk on the beach right there. And I was like, let me just go out and run a little bit. You know, it was kind of that thing where I wanted to get in shape and stuff. And I think I lasted like five minutes, you know, and then I, the next day I was like, let me do it again. And, you know, I like, my goal was to finally get to the pier. Finally, I was able to do that. And it progressed from there. Um, And when I was running, I want to say I ran for maybe about 20 minutes and I was really consistent with that for a a good long while. I never thought of extending beyond that. Um, And then one day I remember I went out and I was like, let me just try. So I went out for 30 minutes and I was like, oh my, I was blown away. I couldn't believe that I did that. Um, My dad, who's an active runner, um, he actually ran the LA marathon a few times when I was younger. And I remember going to them and I honestly had no interest at all in being there. 
<laughs> you know, I was like a teenager. I wanted to hang out with my friends. I, you know, I did not, I, you know, as inspiring as it is to watch marathons now back, I didn't get it back then. You know, I didn't understand what it meant. Um, but I remember telling my dad, you know, I was like, Oh, you know, I ran 30 minutes and he said, Oh, okay. He's all going to come out, you know, the next weekend and we're going to go running together and we're going to go for like four miles. And I was like, no, we're not. <laughs> so sure enough, he did. And we did. And it was the longest run I've ever ran. And I remember it being the hardest thing I've ever done, but it was also like the best feeling, you know, in the world. Um, and from there on out, every weekend, he would come meet me at the beach. We would go running together every Sunday. It was like our thing, you know, and we kept doing it. He kept pushing me to go a little bit further. And finally, one day he's like, we're going to do the Long Beach half marathon. And I said, you're crazy. This I'm, I'm I can't do a half marathon. Like I'm just doing like four or five miles right now. He's like, well, we're going to train. He's all by the time we're done, you we can do it. Um. So I ended up signing up for it. We ended up training together just off of like, you know, he would just get the plans off of online mm -hmm. and that's what we followed and that's what we did. And I did it and it was probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. And I wanted to do it again. <laughs> yeah. And that's basically how my running started from there. I basically just took off. I remember just being introduced into the running world it was like the best and the greatest thing and there was just so much information that I had no idea that was out there you know I was just reading all the running magazines you know I was just so like you know I had no idea what I was doing and um so it was just great. It was this new thing that I was really interested in. And I was just trying to, you know, get a hold of all the information that I could. And at that time, I don't think I know Instagram was around, <laughs> but it wasn't what it was today. Mm -hmm. And so the information was basically just from magazines. It was or looking online. It just it wasn't what it is today at all. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where I went off with from it. I was just I found any race I could get into that was local um, and just started doing a bunch of half marathons from there on out. <laughs> yeah, I love that story so much because I think it highlights something that it's been a theme across several of the conversations I've had with the coaches where it's none of us were, not none of us, but the vast majority of us started running later in life. Like we were not runners beforehand. And like, I hear your story and I'm like, oh, that was me too. Like in seventh and eighth grade, I played soccer. Like that was the extent of my being active. And then as soon as I got to high school, I did PE in ninth grade because I had to do PE and I did everything that I could academically to get out of PE. So <laughs> the rest of my high school career was, um, extra honors classes or, you know, those AP classes, just whatever academically extra classes that did not allow for PE anymore. And I'm in a similar, similar boat as you were when I, when I actually started to run and we lived, and I was just talking to my husband about this yesterday, about how we lived, we lived in Boston for four years and every marathon Monday, we would go out and we would walk around the city because it was just so much fun. Like the whole city yeah. was out. Everyone was celebrating. And yesterday, my husband's like, man, it's a shame you weren't into this marathoning stuff back then because 
we lived there, it might have been a little bit easier chair. I would have joined a charity team to kind of get in because now it's, you know, the charity teams for a race like Boston are $10,000 that you have to fundraise. So I hear what you're saying too about the LA marathon, just these parallels of, oh, if, you know, it would have been nice to have gotten into it sooner because now we know how wonderful the sport is. But it also, to me, reminds me of the fact that we find running when we're actually ready to find it, right? Like we get into the sport when it actually makes sense for us. And I don't know if that's just something that it's like, it connects to that why, like, why are you doing this versus when I was younger, I would run, but it was very much so connected to either the treadmill was the machine that was available at the gym. So I just did that or because I wanted to lose weight, something that was a little more time limited. Whereas when I started running, it had a like a more meaningful connection to my life and to my values. So I think it was easier to kind of keep up with. I don't know if that's a similar experience for you. Yeah. You know, when you mentioned the whole thing about the extent of getting, um, trying to get out of gym class and just stuff like that. You know, I remember when, um, if the PE teacher led us, we were able to do homework during that time, you know, and that's what I chose to do was definitely more academic. And now that I look back on it, I just think like, man, like I wish I took more advantage of like sports or just pushing myself, my body more, like when I was younger, you know, and like in high school and stuff, but it's just funny. Like, you know, yeah, I wasn't interested then. And I completely agree with you that I think things happen to us in life when they're supposed to happen for whatever reason. And I really think, you know, we may never know why that mm -hmm. is the way yeah. it is, you know, and, you know, we don't need to know why. I'm just glad that, you know, I eventually found something that I'm passionate about and that it is, you know, something that's good for, you know, our health and our bodies and, you know, movement and stuff, even though I know as runners, sometimes we, there's a lot, I feel like there's so many layers though, in running just, you know, to keep things healthy, you know, mentally and physically. Cause I think we have a tendency to push and push and push. And sometimes we don't know when to stop. And um, I think there's a, there's a lot to like that you can really, you know, unpack just in that itself. But um, I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it just a curiosity of, of because I felt myself so reflected in what you said. So I wanted to share like my experience. And I'm like, well, wait, okay, this is more. And I think the reason I asked that is, is more to highlight for people that this particular story or this trajectory with running is a very common one where it's not because I and I agree with you and you had mentioned like social media and for me the the main social media that I engage with is Instagram and yeah when I started running man it just it was not what it is today I was very much like I had to buy copies of runner's world right like I had to buy the physical copies in order to get the training plans or I yeah. had to buy the physical books in order to have the training plans. Cause even what I looked up online, you know, you could find some stuff. I mean, now there's just so much more, all yeah. these books that I have here on my bookshelf, 
I love them, but now I'm like, wait, a lot of that information is online and it's free. And if it's not from the creators of that information, you have a lot of, I guess, you know, for lack of a better word, but like their disciples online spreading that information. So it, it is an interesting thing to kind of see even just running as the sport and as the industry, it's trajectory of going from a lot of people, a lot of people have always ran, but now the access to information is so, it's very plentiful and you really have to be very discerning and aware of the information that you're taking in because a lot of the information that's out there, it, it may be relevant, but it's also not fine tuned to the person who's taking the information. Like I can right. tell you, this is great. This is wonderful, but that's in my experience and what works for me and not necessarily what works for everyone. So I, yeah, social media is, social media is one that, that I think it adds a layer to what you were referencing of being a runner and how we can kind of get a little, you know, no pun intended here, but off track with what our (laughs) goals are, what our intentions are. How did you get, how did you get into run coaching? Cause I have a feeling this is all going to connect together with you. Um, okay. So something that people may not know about me is, um, I did go to school. So I graduated, I got my bachelor's degree in English and history. Um, and I kind of already knew I wanted to be a teacher. So after that I did go in and I got my single subject in teach teaching English. So I did the student teaching. I was at a middle school and I was like, I hate this. I hate this. I did not want to go. You know, I was like, I would rather drive my car off of a cliff instead of going into it was just something I was like, this is not what I this isn't for me. Um, But I think coming back now, and it's almost like full circle is like, you know, I'm a yoga teacher now. I'm run coaching now. And those both are guiding people and interacting with people and helping people and it may not be necessarily in a classroom setting but I think it has the same concepts and I think it just took me a while to find exactly what I was looking for and um, specifically with the run coaching this was you know, I think that Instagram, I feel like, you know, does allow a lot of people to connect that would not connect otherwise. And, you know, I was just started following people and I was following this one girl and I remember she was a run coach and I was like, oh, this is like a thing, you know, because when I was thinking of run coaches, you just think of like the high school run coaches, or if you're an elite runner, it's just like they have run coaches, but not someone like me, you know, and then I was like, oh, people actually do this. Like just normal people who are trying to do the best that they can hire run coaches. And so I hired someone and I had a really great experience. You know, we worked together for a few years and um, I started to think to myself, maybe this is something I want to do because I loved that interaction so much between her and I. I was like, and I loved running so much. And I was like, I want to help other people achieve 
the best that they can achieve their goals, be there and help them, you know, to get to their dreams, just to have that cheerleader in your corner, you know, because I feel like run coaching, it isn't just about making a plan. It isn't just about you're going to do X many miles at this many paces. It is. I mean, that there is, a, you know, I feel like that stuff is important and there is a way to lay that all out. But I really think it's almost like run coaching. I feel like is almost like therapy in some ways when you, you know, like I have so many conversations with athletes and I've had conversations myself with my coach, whereas you're ready to jump off the cliff. You're ready to like, you know, you have so many emotions. It's so personal and it's really good to have that person in your corner who can help you see the bigger picture, who is helping you to do, you know, steer you in the right direction. So um, when I was thinking about becoming a run coach, I had no idea where to start. You know, I didn't know what I was doing. And I kind of started asking around, kind of researching it. And um, I ended up doing the RRCA um, cert certification. And, you know, I was terrified. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. You know? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I started helping out a couple of friends, you know, just, you know, for free and, you know, just kind of helping them out. And I was like, okay, I was like, I think I could do this. And um, I just started going from there. Um, you know, I started gaining more clients and, you know, that's just pretty much how the whole run coaching thing started. Yeah, I love that because it's, and I feel like this is a theme of this conversation, right? Where it's like layers of love, right? That's just what came to mind for me, where it's layers of love of you love running, you love teaching, and then you love connecting with people. And what a greater way to connect with people than over something you love like running. And yeah. it's so beautiful to see that kind of come together because there, and that's, it's just something I really, really want to highlight in all these conversations that your run coach is not just a training plan. Your run coach is someone who is going to know more about you than maybe a lot of people in your life, right? When we're talking about running, I, I see it. I've seen it with myself where then I think of it in, in the, the space of being a run coach, but then also being someone who's coached by someone where Oh, there are times where I've talked to my coach and she's no, she knows stuff that's going on in my life that no one outside of my husband knows what's going on in my life. And she knows it because it's stuff that's going to impact me on the run. It's stuff that's going to either prevent me from doing all my runs or from doing certain workouts or those times when I'm like, Hey, I'm life is really stressful. I actually need to run just a little bit more, like not anything, not anything hard, but I actually need that extra day of running so that I can clear my mind. And those are things that other people don't get to see. And I think it's also your run coach to your, to what you said earlier, like th that run coach is a cheerleader. This is someone who understands this one goal you have for yourself, where again, other people in your life may not understand why you have that goal, but your run coach is someone who does get it and who supports it and who is working with you to reach that. I'm curious for you, what came first, the yoga or the running? The running did. 
the running did. Yeah. And for the coach, so which one did you do first? So now follow-up question is run coaching or yoga certification? I did the run coaching first and then the okay. yoga followed with that. Yeah. All right. How do you connect the dots between those two or at what point in your running life did yoga come into play? So I've done yoga kind of on and off, you know, just kind of like I knew I was like, oh, okay, let me stretch, <laughs> you know, <laughs> the basic like things, um, you know, so I would do some like home videos and then I finally like went into a studio and I really loved that, you know, um, I feel like, you know, being in a studio is so much different than doing yoga at home. Although, you know, yoga, you can do it anywhere, um, you know, just yoga itself is just so huge the concept and the you know what it is because it just it goes beyond doing poses on the mat and I know you know this you know yoga is just so much and I really really um to connect that back into the running at first it was just a means of kind of you know all right, let me take care of my hips a bit more. You know, we get runners, we have tight hips. Let me kind of like open that up a bit, you know, just doing certain poses. And then it was like, you know, I really was, you know, when I first started doing yoga, you know, I was like, breath work, whatever, you know, like it just, and now I'm like, the breath work is everything, you know, just the whole just the whole concept behind yoga, I feel like is everything. And it just goes back to running because our mind, it, you know, it's just all mental too. And I feel like they just both connect. They both complement each other very, very well because with yoga, you know, you have the meditation with the meditation. You can connect that back to your running, you know, I feel like, especially, and I think maybe this is for me, just because I've had to deal so much with my relationship with running for my own personal self that, you know, when you're not feeling good enough, when you have imposter syndrome, when you're feeling like, you know, you should be doing this, but you're not doing that. Um, why am I not, you know, running like this person? And it just all these comparison traps and everything. And then you take it back to yoga and you go back to the whole idea of like, you are enough. This is, you know, everything is happening now for a reason. Um, it really just grounds you. And I guess that's the best way I can just say it is that it grounds, it helps to ground me. It helps to bring me back again to like you mentioned before that why, that whole concept of why am I doing this in the first place? Because like you, when we first started running, Instagram wasn't a big thing. I wasn't comparing myself. I had nothing to compare myself to, you know, other than the fact that I enjoyed moving. I enjoyed running. I enjoyed what it gave me. And, you know, we can get lost in all the noise. And <sighs> yoga can bring us out of that noise and can help bring the noise out of the running, I feel like. So that's kind of like where I'm at as much as like, yes, you know, going into baby pose can help with your hips or, you know, doing pigeon pose can help with your hips and all that good stuff. I really feel it goes beyond that. Yeah, I, so for me, yoga came second 
And I always tell people that running is my first love, like running. I even told someone the other day where I'm like, I'm like, you know, if I never teach another yoga class again, like I'll be sad, but I'll be okay. If I don't practice yoga again, I'll be sad, but again, I'll be okay. If I can't run anymore, I will be heartbroken. Like that's, that's where things are for me. Um, and I think it, it does have to do with that genesis of I was a runner first, or I considered myself a runner first. And the reason I started to do yoga was because I had a running injury. Like I tried yoga and one of my favorite stories is, is I had texted my aunt and I said, Hey, have you ever tried yoga? And her response was, Oh, I did it. Wasn't for me, but you should try it. And then her follow-up advice was you have to try it twice once to see if you like it. And the second time to confirm whether you like it. So it was just such great advice because, you know, how many times do we do something once and say, nope, that's not for me. I'm never going to do it again. Right. Whereas with yoga, there's so much that goes into it. There's the studio, there's the studio culture, there's the teacher, there's so much that plays into it that it's, you can't just do it once and be like, yeah, this isn't for me. Like even now I tell people whenever they say, yoga is not for them. And I'm like, I think you just haven't found the practice that that's for you, whether it's the style of practice or maybe the teacher. Cause I feel like uh, oftentimes we do get hooked by certain teachers into the practice first. And then it's from kind of like that safety that we get curious to explore other modalities within yoga. And so for me, when I started yoga, it was because I had IT band, like I had an IT band injury, couldn't run for six weeks. It was the only injury I've had so painful that I decided I would start yoga again. I texted my aunt. I went to my first yoga class and it was a heated power yoga class. When I left that class, I was like, I don't know what just happened there. Had no clue what I was doing, but I was sweating and I was so happy because I'm like, okay, I can't run. But that gave me the same feeling of running that like same breathlessness of like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> but can I keep, can I keep moving forward? And that's where I was like, okay, this yoga stuff is pretty awesome. Like it just, again, it gave me that same like fast pace, the breathing, the really, really had to be present. And then we moved to Chicago for a year. And while we were in Chicago, that's when I really fell in love with running because the community, the running community there is so different than where I'm at here in Miami. But I also discovered that yoga was different. Like I, I had, I did not know that yoga was different depending on where you practiced it. Like I, in Miami, I found the one studio I got very lucky that the first studio I went to was great. And that was the one studio I stuck to. Then when we were in Chicago, I explored all the studios. And in Chicago, it was not a lot of heated classes. It was so bizarre for me where, again, it was just this, this my eyes were open to the vastness of yoga. But my love for it deepened as well. And it was after that year in Chicago that I came back and I did my, my training to become a teacher. But I love what you said about yoga can help bring the noise out of running because I do find that there are a lot of, they really do weave together so nicely 
because even now thinking about it myself where I'm like, oh yeah, when it comes to my yoga practice, I don't compare myself to anybody. I'm like, eh, whatever. This is who I am on my mat. Like, it's okay. But when it comes to running, oh, I have to check myself all the time of like, hey, Steph, that's them, not you. You need to chill. You're where you're supposed to be. You're fine. And I think the reason I'm even able to check myself as quickly as I do is because I do have that practice of yoga that has every time I step on the mat, it's this reinforcement of be with who you are today, be with the body that you have today. And it's hard. Like I find that it's, it's really, really, really hard to just be with who I am at, at sometimes at any given moment, it feels really hard. Yeah. I completely agree with you. I completely agree with you. And I also think, you know, I really liked what you said about, I think too, for me, um, since I was a runner first, you know, and we're used to the, the fast, not necessarily that we're running fast, but just, it's a movement that's fast. Um, going, thinking when people, I think, think of yoga, they think of it being very slow. It's very boring. And I put that in quotes. Um, Mm -hmm. and that was like kind of my mentality for a while was like, it's too slow for me. Like I'm going to be bored. But like you said, it's, you got to go around and do different yoga studios. You got to do different kinds of yoga because when I found power yoga, I was like, whoa, (laughs) I was like, that was hard. That gave me a workout. I was sweating and exactly the same thing. I don't know what just happened. And it was like, I don't even know. I was so bad at it. And I was like, let me go back again. Because I think my runner mentality clicked in then. And I was like, okay, this was a challenge. I can do this again. And I could keep trying to do this and kind of, you know, not be better, but just, there's Morris again. (laughs) Just, (laughs) Just, you know, and not necessarily improve, but like, it was, it gave me, like you said, that same thing with running. Like there was something there that like clicked and I was like, whoa, But now, and you know, even now I find that with yoga and even when I'm teaching, because I think it's a reminder to myself that it's okay to slow down. So sometimes, you know, and sometimes I think, and you probably know this too, when you're teaching, it kind of depends on the environment in the class, you know, because I vibe and I feed off of what the students are kind of giving me. And even if I had no energy coming into class, that class may be very amped up just because the energy is. And um, I just kind of feel like though, I find myself saying it a lot of times in class that it's okay to slow it down. Because sometimes like I need to know that in my running or in life, it's okay to not be grinding, grinding and grinding. And I found that especially true, you know, especially right now, like, you know, we just got over the holidays and I think, you know, it's, colder now although I know you're in Florida and I'm here in you know LA and our winters are (laughs) (laughs) we have a lot of people it's colder (laughs) yeah like you know our lows are like in the 40s you know (laughs) and um so you know our winter is not very wintry but you know it still is I think that time to go 
inward. It's that time to kind of pause. It's that time to kind of reflect. And I know I was dealing with this and I was like, it was a very weird feeling. It just kind of, you know, I've gone through winters before, but I think, you know, I was coming off of the Chicago marathon. I was coming off of having COVID. My body was just like, whoa, we are, we need to slow it down, you know? And it was a very foreign concept to me. And I was struggling because it went back to, I was still doing a lot, but I felt like I wasn't doing enough because I wasn't running X amount of miles per week. My speed work wasn't as much, you know, um, you know, yoga classes were canceled because of just, you know, the holidays, you know what I'm saying? So it was just all the thing of like, okay, I still don't have that much time because I'm doing a lot, but I have more time. And I just always went back to that concept. Like it's okay to slow down, (laughs) you know, I really struggled with that. Yeah, well, because it's hard to remember that there's a season to everything, right? Like there's a season I try to, in moments like that, I try to think of myself like the, you know, that metaphor of like the bow and the arrow that you're being pulled back before you launch forward. I try to think of that of like, okay, things are slow right now, or things are lighter right now, because I'm being pulled back. Like here's a period of time where I do need to rest. I do need to chill out. I do need to take it easy because then there's going to be this period of launching forward where I'm going to wish I was back in that period of taking it easy. But I think it's also just, and not, not for anything, but, but yeah, I'm going to just put it out there. Like I'm going to blame social media for part of it as well, as well. Right. Because it's not like, I think back to my first Chicago marathon, right? Like I, ran the Chicago marathon for the first time in 2014. And again, social media was still so new. Like I ran it. I remember posting my photo and yeah, I I followed runners and all this stuff, but I did my race. And then I was like, cool, I'm done. Like, this is so cool. At that point I was training myself and very much so like in the newness of marathon training, I've shared this, like I went in 2015, I ran uh, three marathons and one ultra marathon, not like just because I wanted to see if I could do it. Like it was really like one of those, like, can I do it? Sure. But I find that now in this area of social media with so much information, I'm like, now I know every single race that's going on. I, everyone's training for something. Everyone's doing something that like, I forget, uh, you know, to like, again, put the brakes on, just because I'm not racing or just because I'm not doing this doesn't mean I'm not doing something that works for me. So like, I feel like that's, you know, going back to the theme, the theme of like layering of even understanding that that is a layer to all of this as well of like, okay, this is a period of slow for you, but then we're still consuming information or energy or posts or something from other people who they may be in a, in a different period. They're in a period of like, high creativity or high doing or whatever the case is. And I feel like our brains, or maybe this is just more a product of our society is very much tuned into production, production, production. What are you producing? What are you doing? Are you grinding? Are you hustling? Like, let's go, like, what's going on? What are you creating? What are you putting out there? When it's like, but wait, like there's actually supposed to be these 
seasons to life, seasons to running, seasons to our yoga practice, seasons for everything. And again, it's not to say like, oh, social media is bad, but I just share that from my perspective that sometimes when I see it on social media, I forget that I'm on my lane and not trying to jump into someone else's. Yeah, I completely agree. And, you know, exactly. I don't want to blame social media either, but it's so much there in our face, you know, and the funny thing is, is too, and sometimes I often forget this, that somebody may be looking at you and thinking, whoa, like they're doing a lot and I, and I'm not doing that, you know? Um, so it's just, it's a very strange thing. You know, I, I think social media can be such a great tool and it is a great tool. You know, again, just going back to like connecting with people, like I would have never connected with you if it wasn't for social media, right. you know, I never, and you know, I feel social media too is a lot, you know, your business, a lot of people are creating their businesses off of that. You know, people are doing things that they wouldn't be doing. They wouldn't be getting the reach if it wasn't for social media, but there also is just that if we're not checking ourselves, like you said, cause I got to check myself all the time, you know, of not comparing, you know what I mean? And it's just, it, it's a tricky thing. It's yeah. I feel like there's just so many, like you said, there's so many layers there. And I think it really does just have to come back to that self love. Um, knowing that we are enough and we're doing enough and we are in the season that we are supposed to be in and we're not in anybody else's. And I think a lot of people, you know, I work with a lot of athletes who also have trouble with that, you know? Um, and as easy it is for me to kind of guide them, <laughs> you know, kind of just tell them like, Hey, you did this, you did that, you did this. You know, I know we always go back to like that whole idea of like, but we didn't do this. Yeah. And we focus on that one thing or that couple of things that we didn't do when like maybe you PR'd all of your races, but that one marathon you didn't, you know, and that's the one thing we will focus on and is, and that, I think that goes back to like a, a good reason why we do need friend coaches or we do need, you know, our mentors or we do need our yoga teachers and just people to guide you, to keep you on track, to remind you of all the great things that you have done. Because if not, it just gets all lost, I feel like sometimes. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's you said the noise, right? The noise can get very loud and it does take either us making the conscious decision to step back and like view it all, or it takes, you know, like Newton's law of <laughs> your thoughts are going to continue going unless something from the outside comes in and says, stop. Right. And I think that is definitely a big, a big role of the coach. So I'm curious when you have this with your athletes or when this comes up with your athletes, how do you navigate those discussions with them or how do you get because I also think that the coach has you have a more global view of everything you're like you're like you know 
they're the athlete is playing a game with running and you're like the referee on top, just watching it all, like watching the different plays and like kind of how things come together. So when you have that athlete, for example, using what you gave us, the athlete that had PRs and really strong training cycles, but that one marathon that let's just assume that marathon just went to shit, right? Like, let's just assume it just went bad. And that athlete comes to you. Cause again, I think run coaches, you're going to understand that disappointment better than someone in your family or better than someone who doesn't understand or who did not live through the training. So how do you talk to your athletes or how would you talk to that particular athlete? That's otherwise, when you look at it, you're like, this is great. Like, and for me, I see it too, as like, you're bound to have a bad race. Like you can't win them all. Like, that's just like the fact that you've gotten so many good races. I think, yes, it's a testament to how strong you are in your training and all of that. But I feel like there's almost an element of luck when you have back to back to back PR setting races. Not to say that the person didn't do the work and that they didn't earn them. I just think it's like, to me, it, like we should be more grateful that that's the case than frustrated that it's not, if that makes sense. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I, I was like, I wanted to touch on so many things. I don't know if I'm going to remember all of those things, but yeah. Um. So if an athlete comes to me and, you know, they're really disappointed and really have a, you know, bad race. Um, first of all, you know, we talk about the training, you know, I'll either some, some people like I text with constantly and we'll just like text it through some people, you know, I'm like, let's get on a call. It just depends on who it is. And, you know, we'll have, a, we'll definitely have a conversation about it. Um, some people, you know, write me emails and we'll figure it out. Um, but I definitely do go over, you know, their training, what they've done in the past, you know, reminding them of, you know, all of the hard work that they did put in and going back to their why, you know, why are we doing this? You know, and exactly like you said, knowing that not every race is going to be a PR. And I understand that because like you said, like as runners ourselves, we understand that disappointment. Like we know exactly what it feels like to be putting in all of this work to wanting something so much and then it not happening because of for whatever reason. Um, and I, you know, it's like that heartbreak, you know, like running can break our freaking hearts and, but we keep coming back to it, <laughs> you know, Sounds like, w- you know, we keep coming back to it because we do love it. Um, I definitely sometimes tell them to give them a certain date. I said, pick a date, pick one or two days, be as sad, be as disappointed, cry as much as you want, do whatever you're going to do. But then once that date hits, we're done. We are kind of, all right, let's move on to the next thing. And I kind of, at that point too, okay, well, what is it that you want to do? You know, maybe we're not going to focus on speed work for the next cycle. You know, maybe, maybe we need to just, step back from there. Maybe let's do something fun. Maybe let's do some, you know, let's focus on a different, um, a different goal, you know, whatever that goal may be, you know, um, I was talking to a runner friend that sometimes I run with, um, and she was going to run the Big Sur marathon. 
And she said her one goal in that marathon was to make sure to run up that whole, that one big entire, that one big hill, I guess that there is. That was her goal for the marathon. You know, other than that, she didn't care. That was the one. And I was like, that is a great example of having a completely different goal than a time-based goal, you know? So let's get creative. Let's do something else that's necessarily maybe not a marathon to hit X, Y, and Z. But if you want to go after that goal again, like you're very, you know, you're set on like wanting to maybe like BQ or you're set on like getting a sub four or you're set on doing whatever it is, you know, getting a sub five, like whatever that is. Okay, let's do it again. But we're going to constantly come back to the idea of like, why are we doing this? You know, constantly. Sometimes I'll even have um, some of the athletes journal things out after a race, kind of like, all right, let's write it out. Let's, you know, get our thoughts out there. So it just really depends on who it is that I'm working with, because I feel like every athlete is different. Every athlete responds to something different as well. Um, to just kind of navigate those feelings you know and sometimes too I'll have to bring in like not to compare and contrast but sometimes you know I do talk about like elite athletes who you know they're putting themselves out there on the line and not all of them are winning either you know and not you know and I just think of like how hard, you know, they're working too, and they do this for a living. Most, some of them, not all of them, but some of them do this for a living and they miss it too. They miss the mark, you know? Um, So it's not just as, as personal as it feels, because when you're not the one doing it, you feel like you're the only one not doing it when you see everybody else's accomplishments, you know, and Mm. You know, I love to celebrate everyone when they're like PRing and they do great and like I'm over here not. And so I understand that sometimes. And so, you know, but then I look at, yeah, I look at the elite athletes sometimes and I'm like, well, this one person that I follow a lot didn't like do what they wanted to do. And so it's not just as like amateur, like runners that aren't, you know, doing what we set out to do if that makes any sense. Yeah. Listen, there's so much there that you said that I love. And like I said, I I take notes. So I'm like, okay, so I want to make sure I mention this and this and this, but there's a few things where it's again, like you as a coach, you're bringing in a different perspective. And I think you're also, and I wrote this down for myself where it's like, there's nothing like disappointment to help find clarity, right? Where it's like this disappointing race is going to help you find clarity as to your why. And even beyond that, as to how you want to continue to engage with the sport, because that's what I heard from you, where it's like, okay, let's have that discussion of what do we want to work on next? Because I think that's so important to your coach is someone who's going to ask that question. (laughs) I feel like, I feel like, most coaches are going to be like, all right, so then what's next? Because I think for some people, and this is just, again, I'm saying this so that whoever's listening to this, you understand that runners, we're not all the same. That one, you could have one runner who has a disappointing race and they're ready to jump back in because they want that redemption race. Then you have other runners, right? Who have a bad race and are like, nope, I need to reconnect with why I love 
don't plan anything structured for me. Plan the miles. And I've had both, I've both situations have happened to me where I needed a redemption race. Granted, it was a year later, but I also needed a period of time of like, don't give me speed workouts. Don't do it. Like, don't give me anything. I don't want to work hard with running when I feel so heartbroken by running. So give me that time to just run easy, to remember why I like running, to remember why I love running. Cause I feel like in disappointing races, there is that question of like, why am I doing this? So I appreciate that part of your questioning or part of your like post-race breakdown is that reminder of, hey, these elites who have, not to say that they have more on the line than us amateur everyday runners, but like that's their career. Like that's literally, they wake up running, go to sleep running, like that's them. Whereas for the majority of us, we are, adding running into our lives. Running is not something we don't have contracts with anybody to go out and run. Like this is 100% we're making a choice. So I just appreciate that that's something that you bring up because like you said, when we're down deep, we think it's just us. Yeah. But it's not like there's there, this is a very universal Anyone who's listened to this, I'm sure they can think back to at least one race. If they're racing, if they're runners who do races, I'm sure they can easily pick up on one race in their history that has been a complete disappointment that did not go as it's planned. It gets trickier the longer the distance because the more time investment that you put into it, right? It's like if you have a bad 5K, that stinks, but the turnaround time on that is a little bit quicker. Whereas a bad marathon, yeah, you can, you know, every runner is different, but it's, I feel like the longer the distance, the harder it does take to kind of recover from the disappointing of it, not going as you, as you wanted. So I appreciate that you tell people like, (laughs) even just something so concrete and I love, I'm going to start doing it for myself where it's like, okay, you've got like two days, I'm giving you a solid 48 hours. Or if not, you have until this, you have until January 15th or whatever date, like you have until this, you have this very clear, dedicated time period for you to feel everything that you need to feel. And then let's get back to work and whatever work looks like for you, that's what it'll be. So it's just, that's so beautiful because it's giving permission for the athletes to feel it and then remind them that like, you're not alone. Right, right. Because I really think that's good. And I don't know where I heard that from. And I heard that a few years ago. And I was like, that's just such a great thing to do. So I started doing it for myself. I started doing it for my athletes. And I was like, you know, because it does allow yourself, it gives you that room, it gives you that permission to be disappointed, because I think it's completely 100% okay to be disappointed, to be sad, to be hurt, that some, you know, you didn't reach your goal on a certain specific day. I get that. So take that time to process it. You know, the processing may even go beyond that time because it usually does, you know, Um, but take that time to feel sad, to be upset, to be angry. And then we're going to let those emotions kind of like, all right, we are done. And exactly, let's move on. 
Let's see wherever this takes us. Maybe, maybe the answer is like, all right, we're not going to be doing a marathon for like spring. We're going to do nothing but 5Ks. Or maybe we're going to take it to the trails. Maybe I've never gone trail running. Let me try trail running. Let me like start trail running and hiking. That can be completely different, you know? So it's just, the, or let me start incorporating more strength work. Let me like hop on the bike more like whatever that looks like I'm 100% on board with the athlete because I get that it's not all right like let's just get back to work like here are the you know the the miles here is the speed work like we're gonna it's like no like that's what I like to check in with them like all right where are you what do you want to do is speed work okay right now do you want to have more easy runs like where are you you know like take that time to kind of ease your way back in um, but like you said, other, other people are like, you know, I already have like a race, that, you know, their redemption race and they're back on and it's like, okay, let's do it. And then, you know, even then it's kind of like, let's see how things play out because maybe mentally you want that maybe physically you're not there. And maybe once you start, you realize mentally you're not there either. And maybe you still need to like hold back. And I, you know, I always say it's 100% okay to change your story in the middle of it. Maybe you already signed up for that race. But maybe like midway through, you're like, you know what, I am not, I, I don't even want to think about running 20 miles right now, you know, um, and that's okay, then we'll have that conversation then maybe we defer the race, maybe we drop down to the half, we'll see what happens then. But I think it's 100% okay to change your story, whenever and as ever you need to, you know, and we'll have a discussion about that to see why you want to like change things, what's not working, because sometimes some things aren't working. And it's like, okay, why isn't it working? let's figure this out because maybe it is the speed work. Maybe it is the mileage. Maybe we need to bring it back down a bit. Maybe you need an extra day off. Let's just see. And it's um, a lot of problem solving sometimes that goes on within. Yeah. This. Yeah. I, that, I appreciate that so much because I think there's also an element of stubbornness that is very unique to the running community in that when we say we're going to do something, then we feel like we're married to it and we have to do it. And it's like, but it's okay to change your mind or it's okay to, to decide that that no longer works for you. But even then you're talking about something deeper, which again, like such a beautiful component of the coach athlete relationship is, and I've said this before in other discussions where I really do feel that sometimes the coach understands the goal better than the athlete does. And sometimes the athlete just kind of has to like go through the motions until they figure it out. Right. Because I'm hearing you and thinking of that one athlete that's like, yeah, the redemption race, let's go. But then once they actually start it, it's like, oh no, I actually did not really process what I needed to process. And this isn't a good idea. And even then it's as a coach, you're, I feel like, and that's something that I think it's always important for people to remember that it's like with every training cycle, or at least for me, how I see it is that, yes, we have that base, but every training cycle and every training block, it's like a whole new athlete because there are different lived experiences and your relationship with running changes the longer you've been running. Yes, 100% agree with that. I, you know, every, every training cycle is completely different. You know, I feel it for myself. I see it for the athletes, you know, some athletes I've been working with for a few years now, and they're not the same runner that they were when they first started, you know, and a lot of times I, you know, especially with road running, cause I do both trail and road, but especially with the road runners, 
a lot of them, you know, you see it a lot now on social media, especially, you know, slow down, slow your easy runs down, you know, and I had a lot of them who come to me and they're running, you know, the same pace, you know, what they're going to run in their marathon, they're running during their easy runs. And it's like, I constantly tell them you need to slow it down. And, you know, in caps, easy running, don't go faster than this. Like at least, you know, for the beginning, I'll tell them, you know, and a lot of them, it takes a while to kind of get that. But once they kind of get that, you know, I see this maturity in them that they start to trust their training more. They start to trust that it's okay to be running a 10 or 11 or, you know, whatever minute mile during their easy runs. But when we're getting to the speed work, you know, they're hitting seven, sixes. You know what I mean? It's just yeah. it's this maturity that I think a lot of them or even too like just thinking about the nutrition you know, a lot of people, you know, a lot of us aren't eating as much as we're supposed to be eating, <laughs> especially fueling during. And it's, you know, once I tell them, you like, you need to be eating a lot more calories before you run. You need to be taking in a lot more calories during your long runs. You want to be running a marathon? Marathons hurt. It's going to hurt even more if you're not fueling properly. Like, let's at least do what we can. So we're, we need to take in these many more calories in order to at least feel slightly better when it comes to like mile 20 and beyond, mile 18 and beyond. And um, sometimes they have a lot, you know, it's a hard, it's hard for them. But how am I supposed to fit in so many calories? That's a lot of, that's a lot, that's a lot. You know, and we think of simple little ways and I'm not a nutritionist by any means, you know, but just, you know, we think of just ways to make things easier for the athlete so that they can implement it into their life so it's not overwhelming so that they can go out there and run and do what they need to do how do you have that conversation with the athlete that needs to slow down because this is something i find the whole slow down where we're at with running that there's so much slow down messaging I find it completely fascinating because when I started running, the mentality was, if you want to run fast, you run fast. And nice. now it's very much like, I don't know if it's that a pendulum has swung or again, just the access of information is a little bit better now where even for myself, it definitely took a minute to understand it. Like I had to live it in order to understand the benefits of slowing down. So you have that athlete where you say easy running, don't do this, but then they continue to run faster than that. What is that conversation like between you and the athlete? So sometimes I do go back. So I do have some athletes who have actually improved a bit and they were slowing down in the beginning. And I have to remind them like, Hey, you got here because you did this. Like, we still need to stick to this. I understand that you're faster now, but that doesn't mean like, let's just take off. Like, I get that. So, or sometimes I'll, you know, I'll think of certain ways. All right, we're going to, if they listen to music, all right, we're going to slow down the music. We're going to put on a podcast. If they're on the treadmill, I mean that a treadmill, you know, you set it at a pace. Like, we're not going to go faster than this. Like, I don't want you touching that. Like, well, this is what it's going to be. Um, or maybe it's taking it to the trails if they can, you know, just kind of just doing it a little bit different. Um, maybe it's just, 
I'm trying to think of other things that I've said or done, which I can't think of at the top of my head right now. <laughs> yeah, but I think it's more, you said like trust the process. So I feel like a big part of it is very much reminding people that, hey, you hired me because you trust in what you believe I can offer you. So just trust me a little bit on this slowing down bit. Cause I think it's again, for me, even for myself where it's like, Oh, I had to actually see it. Like I had to see it in myself in order to really understand why. And I think it's also when we talk about trust the process, it's trust the long haul of the process because slowing down today it, that doesn't mean that next week, all your, like, you're going to be faster on your speed run. Like, it's actually like you're training for the adaptations in your body. So right. I like that. It's like, it is, it, that is like, to me, that particular conversation is always like, oh, that's one of the hard conversations that you have to have with your athletes. It is. Again, sometimes, you know, I'll say, you know, conversation if you can't talk, you know, but then people are like, well, that's just, I understand that because sometimes if, you know, for me, even for me, because I run alone a lot, talking isn't necessarily easy, even if you are going two to three minutes slower than your like race pace, you know, because um, you're not used to doing it. You know, when I first started running with my dad, I was talking to him and that's how I started running was talking. I don't do that really anymore. You know, during my long runs, I'm like by myself. So I've lost that like ability to talk while I run. So sometimes I think that's even hard to tell an athlete, like, Oh, if you yeah. can't talk, like, because you're not doing it all the time, you know? Um, so I understand that. Um, and it is just a hard thing. It is going back to trusting, like you were saying, trusting the process, trusting your coach, because, you know, as a coach, I don't know everything, you know, and I, you know, I don't think every coach knows everything, but we do know some things. And I feel like, you know, you did hire me for a reason. We're working together for a reason. You know, if not, then why are we working together? Because, yeah. you know, you could be just doing this on your own. Um, I also like to look at going back to like looking at like elite athletes and just kind of, hey, we'll look at their, t like they're running like five minute miles in their marathon, but they're running eight during their slow and you're running eight during your slow, but you're definitely not running five. So why, if, you know, if they can do it, you can, cause I, you know, a lot of people are saying, well, it's hard to run slow. I, yeah. At first I'm sure it's very hard to run slow, but I think once you've kind of like, you learn that pace may become easier over time, you know, or also just going back to like, just enjoying the run, you know, mm -hmm. like just going out there and really, truly just, just enjoying the run for what it is and not necessarily pushing effort, but take the time to look around you, take the time, you know, especially if you run, sometimes, you know, I run like I try to just switch up my, my like my routes and stuff, but you know, the ones that I like, I run a lot. Every single run, I like see something different. You know, I've passed yeah. that house 
I don't know how many times, but once I'm like, whoa, I didn't notice that that was there, you know, um, just, and when you can really do that, when you are just slowing down and paying attention and kind of just being in the moment, you know? Yeah, yeah. there's, it's like getting people to understand that easy equals enjoyment because even if you're running fast and it feels good, you're not necessarily enjoying it. Like there are runs where I'm like, oh, I'm going a little bit faster, but I feel the effort, right? I'm not like, it's not the same as when I'm running easy that I'm like, oh, look, like I really have the time to kind of notice everything. And I think that's, so for me, when I think of running easy and the reason why I say it's hard is because it requires so much more control from me to like rein it in. It requires more control for me to be like, okay, I'm good here. I'm good here. That takes effort. That takes, that's what makes running easy hard for me because I feel like I have to control myself more than when I'm running faster that I feel like I'm out of control where I'm just like, ah, whatever, like, let's just go with it. Right. So there (laughs) is that, there is that difference, but I like that, that, working to reframe the easy run as really just an opportunity to enjoy the run. Yeah, it is an opportunity. And I feel like a lot of us have tons of opportunities. And if we're not really aware, or we're not really there in the moment, it's kind of like we lose that opportunity to do whatever, you know, if it is to like slow down and enjoy the moment if it is to just take that pause. And I think even Mm. then, like even in your easy runs, you know, like if if you're out on the trails or something and you could take that pause or if you're on like the roads, take that pause and just look around for a second. Like just, wow, like my two feet got me here. Enjoy that, you know? Um, I think a lot of us forget that. And I think a lot of it too, like going back to social media, are easy runs are just there's nothing as I feel like a lot of times with running there a lot of it you know you can have like your flashy your like really crazy workouts and stuff but a lot of it is just going back to the basics and I feel yep. like a lot of that sometimes gets lost because a lot of it is just the easy runs it is just like the miles um and like you said when you first started running And when I first started running, all of this information wasn't really accessible. And, you know, and you think about it, like, when was it like, was it back in the eighties or something? It was like, it was like no pain, no gain, or, you know, it was just like the grind, the grind, the grind, the grind. And then, you know, you end up injured and injured. And now it's just like the exact opposite. It's like, no, our bodies need rest. Like we need rest. I like to always give like my athletes, like one complete, like at least full day or a rest day off, like, because we really need it you know um and I do have sometimes athletes is it okay if like you know I run like you know three miles today? no 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 we're not we're not doing this is your rest day you know you you need if you want to switch it out we can definitely switch it out like if it makes sense with the schedule but know that you're gonna have a rest day like come in a couple of days and most of the time they'll say no 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 never mind you know um <laughs> But, you're like the rest is non-negotiable we can move it to a different day but you're gonna take it 
exactly. We are, we are still having a rest day. Um, cause we need it. You know, uh, I really think that we need it. Uh, cause you may not be feeling burnt out now, but we don't want you feeling burnt out later, which I think is really important. <sighs> that it is that it is. And I think it's again, like the, the benefit of a coach is you have that broader global view. Whereas that runner is when they're asking you, Hey, can I run even if it's just three miles because they have the energy today for it, but that three mile can take away energy from tomorrow, the day after, like, we're not really thinking how is this fitting into the overall picture because it can like that. I, especially when it comes to like the rest or just burnout, I feel like it can come on so quickly, that feeling of being burnt out. Like, I mean, I've had it myself where I'm like, I'm okay. And then all of a sudden I'm like, I'm really tired. I really don't want to do this. What happened? Like what happened from last week to this week? And it's like, oh, because I didn't take the time to rest or I didn't take the time to fuel myself, or I didn't take the time to do all those other things that help me feel like someone who does more than just running that like autopilotness. How would you describe your coaching style and philosophy? <sighs> this is something I always feel like, am I answering this question right? When somebody asked me, you know, my thing is, is I really, really do believe that it's the athlete. Um, everybody's an individual and I try to try to treat each as such. Um, I don't think that there's, you know, and I hear a lot of people say this, there, there's no one way to coach a specific distance, a specific race, a specific um, goal. You know, um, it's really about finding what works for them. Um, I, when somebody starts with me, I always tell them that, you know, your schedule is not set in stone. Uh, you know, life does happen. So let's move things around so that it makes sense for you because I don't want running to be a chore. I don't want running to be something you have to do. It's something that we get to do. And, you know, I really want them to also understand if they have big goals, you know, of doing something that's going to be really hard, you're going to have to really put in the work, but that still doesn't mean that you have to do every single run. That doesn't mean that you have to do this. Let's talk about it. I yeah. also encourage huge communication. You know, um, some athletes give me a lot more than others. So sometimes I constantly have to be asking them, like, you know, how is everything going? Because I want to make sure that I know what's going on, you know, because so I don't know, I can very well already kind of know, I have it all planned out how what their next week's going to look like. But if something happened in, during this week, you know, and I don't know about it, how are we going to go to the next week? You know, I need to make yeah. those adjustments because let's say you are, maybe you do have a little cold. Maybe there's stressful stuff going on at work. Maybe stressful stuff going on at home. You know, there's just all these things that play into running because it really is so much more than running all the time. You know, um, how's your sleep going? Like, how are we eating? 
what's going on, you know? So I really, really do take all of that stuff into account. You know, what kind of job do you have? I really like to kind of, you know, are you on your feet all day long? Cause you know, if you're mm-hmm. a nurse, if you're a nurse and you know, you're on your feet all day long, that definitely means something different than somebody that's at an office sitting down. Um, so let's make changes, you know, or it's just, that stuff is important and that's how I go about making plans for someone. Um, so going back to just it really being about the athlete and not so much that I'm accommodating to them because there is stuff, you know, the work is required to do, to do whatever it is that they want to do, but it's, let's make it as easy as possible so that it fits into your life and it makes sense for you. Yeah. I love that because it's, again, this reminder of if, if you want cookie cutter, you can do that online. But if you want something that is going to take into consideration the uniqueness of who you are, then you get a run coach, right? Like that's, that's like a, that's just such a big thing because your training plan isn't going to know, you know, for myself, right? Like my training plan, if I get one online, it's not going to know that I have two kids or it's not going to know that I had to take my dog to the bed. It's not going to know that I haven't been sleeping well. Like it's not going to know any of that. Whereas the coach will, but the asterisk to that, which is what you mentioned, it's also my responsibility to tell you, Hey coach, I haven't been sleeping well, or Hey coach, I'm not feeling well, or Hey, this, or Hey, that, because I think there is talk about like disappointment within the training plan, right? Like if I will give this example of, and this is just so that everyone who's listening to this can really understand the importance of that coach athlete dynamic. Let's pretend I'm getting sick. I'm getting sick. I'm not feeling well. I'm really congested. Let's hope that this doesn't actually happen, but you know, tonight I sleep like crap. And then tomorrow I go to do my speed workout and the speed workout bombs. It is an awful run. I don't do well because I went into it not feeling well. And then I end up feeling like crap because I didn't do the workout well. Whereas it could have been very easy of me to just text my coach saying, Hey, I'm not feeling well. I don't know about tomorrow. And my coach could have been like, okay, well then how about we skip tomorrow? We don't do the speed workout tomorrow, but let's see how you're feeling. Text me tomorrow. Let me know. And then maybe you do that speed workout on Tuesday, or maybe Tuesday's easy. Wednesday's your speed. There is that adaptation or that change to the plan. So all of a sudden now it's like, okay, when I run, I'm actually going to feel better. Now, this isn't to say that you don't have bad runs because sometimes you have bad runs out of nowhere. It's just to say that if you communicate with your coach, changes can be made because you even said it, right? Like, one of your goals as a coach is to make sure that your athletes do feel good about what they're doing and training. But again, and so it's like both where it's like, Hey coach, you can only do so much. If the athlete isn't communicating with you, then you're going to continue to plan a plan based on where you think they should be, or based on where you think the runs align with whatever goal they told you they had. Right. Right. Yeah. And yeah, that's why I think that open communication is like, so it's so important to have between the coach and athlete. Um, I was, I had an example and I wasn't, I can't think of it now. I lost my train of thought. <laughs> it was something I don't come up. 
Yeah, it was something you had said and I wanted to touch on it and I don't remember now. <laughs> it'll come back. It'll come back to you. Um, maybe in this next question, it'll it'll kind of come back. If someone is interested in working with you, what is that process like? Are they sending you a DM? Are they going through your website? Are, you know, do they, do you have a consultation call? What's that process like? And within that process, how do you figure out if someone's a good fit for you and that you're a good fit for them? Okay. So I currently am working with Rising Mountains Coaching which is a run coaching um, company who was uh, founded by Eve. And um, I just started working with them, I want to say last year. I want to say last year, it was about the same time. So it's been a year now. Um, they were pred predominantly a trail ultra running company. And she started seeing more interested in the roads and she can definitely definitely coach roads and marathons and 5ks and all that but it just wasn't her jam um and so she brought me on board and she brought another person on board to do the to help out with the ultra and trail running stuff um and so i'm primarily prim primarily the road run coach for them or someone who's newer to the trails or, you know, wants to do half marathons, maybe marathons, 5Ks on the trails. I do coach ultra runners as well because I've had athletes that I had prior to coming on board with mm -hmm. RMC. So I do coach runners who want to do 100Ks, 100Milers um, in the ultra world. Um, so if somebody wants to work with me, they either will DM me or if they already know me, they'll just, you know, tell me, Hey, I, you know, I want to start working with you. Um, they will go through RMC, um, fill out a questionnaire, you know, your basic questionnaire of like your running history and everything. Um, Eve will then contact them. They'll have a brief conversation and then they get handed off to me <laughs> where I will email the client, text them, we'll hop on a call and I'll definitely have more in-depth conversation questions, you know, and it goes back to the, what do you do kind of for a living just because I want to know how stressful their job is or how not stressful their job is, how mm -hmm. much time, how much time do they have devoted that they can devote to their training? You know, do they have kids? Um, you know, do they, have a running watch because sometimes you know that kind of can play into things some people don't you know yeah. and it's you know that's a that's that's a thing you know um and just different you know kind of, do they do strength work what else are they kind of doing besides the running what else do they like to do because some people like to hike some people still like to ride their bikes and let's keep those things in you know I like to make yeah. sure like if they, if they like to hike all right, let's, we're not going to take that hiking away from you. Let's make it work with your running. You know, you'll have one less run day, but we're going to put that hike in, you know, or, you know, they want to ride their Peloton. All right, we're going to keep riding that Peloton, but we're going to implement it into their training, you know? So it's little things like that, that I like to know about them. Cause what do they like to do outside of running? Let's mm. put that in to make it work. You know, do they like to do the yoga, you know? do they like to go to their dance class? You know, some, you know, so I think all of that stuff, their lifestyle is important. Um, and we'll talk about goals, you know, definitely talk about their goals and where they see themselves and what they want to do. And then from there, they will 
I do work um, primarily with VDOT. So mm-hmm. that's how we'll, I arrange their schedules with them. And a lot of communication will happen within that app or we'll text or we'll get on a call or we'll email. And that's normally how it goes. And then it's funny because a lot of these athletes end up becoming, you know, we end up becoming friends, you know, <laughs> like it's kind of just the way it is because we're talking to them so much. You mentioned that at the beginning that your run coach knows a lot more about you than other people will besides like your husband because we're constantly in that communication and we constantly need to know what's going on with your life because it does impact your run oh absolutely the final question i have and this is this is another one there's no right or wrong answer to it (laughs) just answer it to whatever comes to mind for you but how can we make running more accessible? And I've been adding as well, inclusive. You know, that's a tough one. I've been thinking about that one a lot because it's just so in our face now, you know, just, and it wasn't something that I thought about when I first started running, you know, because, and it's something that you just think like, oh, you just need a pair of shoes. Well, yeah, you do just need a pair of shoes. But if you want to race, you need to pay for that race. And races aren't necessarily cheap. Um, And then you think of just all the other things that come with it, you know, all the gear, all the things that we start adding into it. It just, it starts to become a costly sport, you know, when it really is just running, you know? And, um, So I really do think about just the being more, how do we become more inclusive? You know, how, and it's a tricky one because I can very easily just say, well, go out to run groups, go out to try and find people. But what if there's not one in your area? You know, are you supposed to go out and do it yourself? So for some people, yes, maybe you are that person to start that run group, you know, and make it a more of an inclusive run group. Maybe, but maybe you're not that person. Maybe that's not your role. And so at that point, it's like, what do we do? You know, as a running community, I'm not really too sure if I have the answer to that question, you know, because I feel like sometimes it's just yeah, I'm not really too sure on how, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's kind of yeah. like, it's, it, and then too, also, if you think about it, it's like, well, run coaching costs money, you know, and as a run coaches, we want to, you know, of course, make a living off of it. And we can't give our services away, you know, but maybe there is room for, you know, having one or two clients who do come on board as part of, you know, some sort of, you know, like, I don't even know the word for it. That's like a scholarship rate. Thank you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Coming on board as like a scholarship, you know, maybe that is something. And I know Eve did do something like that. Um, I believe, I forget who she was working with, but I believe she had five clients or something who did come on board as working under a scholarship for, it was for a specific um, race, I believe. I could be completely wrong, but, um, yeah, 
So it, I don't know. Do you have any ideas on how? Well, so the more people I speak to, the more people I speak to, the more nuanced it gets because it really is, it's, again, it's so cliched, but like it is a layered, like cliched at this point in this discussion, right? Where it is such a layered thing because on the one hand, yes, we do have the financial, there's a financial component to running where you, yeah, I used to tell people all the time, like, just go run, go run. And then I, you know, I was like, well, you actually can't do that because yes, just go run is really easy. If you have the shoes, if you have the safe space to run in, if you feel safe, yeah. if there's sidewalks, if there's this, if they're right. that, you know, like there's right. all these, it's not only yourself, do you have what you need to run, but it's also is the world outside formatted in a way that you can run so right. I feel that for me a lot of like this inclusive accessibility the starting point is us even talking about it and in figuring out and like even acknowledging that like oh yeah there are certain communities of people or there are certain communities in which this isn't there and it's not there because it's not safe for them to be there or it's not there because they don't have the shoes or if you're a girl because you don't have sports bras or whatever the case is. So to me, it's very much, it's, it's a nuanced thing. I had another coach that she, when we spoke, um, she talked about even just how are we highlighting how different groups of people are, are being treated. So she's, um, this is coach Croft. She's an advocate for, or she just, she shares a lot of information and brings a lot of information to light about murdered and missing indigenous women, missing and murdered indigenous women. And she's like, how are we even talking about that? Right. So like, how are we talking about just safety in general? Once we step out of the door. So this issue of inclusivity and accessibility, I feel like that's a question that you can only, we can make broad statements but I feel like we can only answer it in truth to the community that we live in. So I can answer that question based on maybe my Miami community and what I see happening here because, and I'm sure it's the same for you, right? Like your LA running community is gonna look different than my Miami running community. And it's gonna look different than a New York City running community. And it's gonna look different than like New Orleans or wherever, every city is gonna have kind of different issues. So for me, I feel like, again, there's no right or wrong answer to this question. It's more of how are we perceiving this? But then also how are we even thinking about it because as people who love this sport and who are advocates ambassadors for the sport who are run coaches who are sharing a lot of our running journeys on Instagram and you know considered maybe by some to be experts in this sport the curiosity is always like all right as these people who have a platform or who have certain views how are we portraying running in our particular community in a way that does feel inviting to new people. So like, for instance, in my Miami community, I see that there's maybe the access points, like what are, I think of it in terms of like, what are the access points to running? So yes, we've got the shoes and all that, but I also think of like, okay, but are there run clubs that are truly for all paces? 
Are there run clubs during days that are for everybody? Where are these run clubs located? Because if you're, you know, in, for instance, anyone who's listening to this is from Miami, they'll understand. But like if you're in Kendall to go to a run club that's on the beach, you're looking at at least an hour long drive to get there. So it's like, okay, but what's happening maybe in that smaller Kendall community that can create the, the access to it. So I think it's layered and complicated and that there's no one easy answer. Yeah, definitely layered. And that's really a good point that you made. I really think that there's, especially now there's tons of more run groups in smaller, in each probably city, even here, I've I've been seeing them pop up more um, because maybe yeah maybe you're I'm lucky enough that where I live I feel safe enough to run um but there are other women that I've spoken to who don't and the only time they have is really early in the morning or really late at night and they're just like I can't do that in my neighborhood um and at that point yes maybe a run club that's in your neighborhood and because I do live in the LA area you know, um, there's a lot of run clubs out here that, you know, are not really far away. So you could probably make one of them. Um, and I think it does go back to the whole idea of just talking about it, which I really liked that and that we're even having a conversation about it because, you know, these conversations weren't happening, you know, probably even five, 10 years ago, you know, this is a very newer thing now that's coming up. And I do like the idea of that. You said that even just run clubs that are more inviting and welcoming pace wise, because if you do have a runner, that's barely starting out, that's new because they weren't able to run before because of X amount of reasons and they come to their run club because that's the only place they feel safe to run and then they're just starting out and they're not necessarily running quote-unquote fast how is that going to make them want to stay and keep doing it so I really think that that's something to also address and talk about yeah and that's where I try to you know for work friend and I started a run club last year and we kind of with the holidays and everything let it slide and this year we're going to bring the run club back and even from the very beginning I was real adamant that I would be a walker and I'm like I'm going to walk I'm going to walk because that's part of it too where it's like you have people that maybe they want to learn how to run right like that they don't know how to run and it's like hey, you know what running is? It's just really fast walking, right? Like, let's get you comfortable with spending the time on your feet. It's like, um, again, I'm in Florida. So like, I, whenever people are like, oh, I could never, I could never run five, like uh, a 5k. And I'm like, well, when's the last time you went to Disney? Oh, I was in Disney recently. I'm like, well, if you went to Disney and you spend a day walking in the park, you're easily doing five miles walking around the park. So like, if you can kind of see that of like, you're physically able to do it. Now we're just bringing the intentionality to a different space. And maybe we're asking you to speed it up. So instead of doing five miles over the course of eight hours, let's maybe do those five miles over the course of an hour and a half. Like, let's see how that might feel, right? Like that's kind of where we're at. So 
part of that as well is, and I talked about this with someone else as well, where it's like, it's okay. Again, again, with the coach Croft one. So if anyone's listening to this, go back and listen to that one where like, we talked about how it's okay to quote unquote, sacrifice your run for someone who's a little bit slower than you so that they can feel welcome. Like it's totally okay to just take like, and this is going back to like the easy run, right? Like it's okay. Like make your easy run super easy. You're going to benefit from going even easier. I promise you, you're going to benefit from that. So I think part of, part of the inclusivity and the accessibility of running is for the people who are already in the sport to know that it's okay to slow down once in a while so that someone who's new to the sport can feel like I do belong here. Like it's totally okay. Yes. I, you know, that reminds me, I have told a couple of athletes, I, you know, that I know that do run with groups. Hey, why don't you go back and run with the back of the pack? Because that's going to help you slow down. That's going to help you learn probably more people because you probably spend a lot of your time mostly with people up front. Why don't you go to the back, encourage them, help them out. And it's like a win-win, you know, you're, it's totally okay. I love that. It's totally okay to quote unquote, sacrifice your run because you're really not, you're really helping. You're not, you're, you're not, but us runners are going to see it like, oh, I don't get my workout in. And it's like, right. no, but you're still getting something out of it. And it's also, and you mentioned it like with your father and I've had it in my experience as well. And I like, I feel like everyone that I've spoken to has an experience very similar where it's like, all it takes is one person to take the time to spark the love in you. Yeah. That's all it takes. So like when we're thinking about slowing down, instead of thinking about it slowing down, it's think about the possibility that you're that one person for someone. Yes, exactly. Because if anything too, they're probably like, wow, that person who's like super fast is up back. They're back here with us. And you never know what can happen. And you know, that feeling probably once you're done, that feeling probably that you like help somebody else out might Ugh. feel like way even better than like you doing your workout or you running, you know, a faster pace. Like you can get so much out of it. And I, you know, Absolutely. That's, like, that's such a great way to do something for the running community and just, you know, helping everyone out because I mean, that's it. It comes back to that, right? Is the word community. I mean, that's what it has to come back to. Absolutely. I mean, I'm just, that's again, for me with the run club, I was very adamant that I would be the walker and I'm like, it's okay. Like I have no problem walking. Like it's, it's fine. There are other days. And even if you think of like most of your athletes, right? Most people are running between four to six days a week, right? So let's assume, let's go with that person running five days a week. If you take one run out of that, you've still got four other runs that you can do what you do with them on your own. To me, it's part of the, the, again, and like listening to everyone's conversations where we can all look back to that one person that nudged us along, whether it's a parent, whether it's, for me, it was um, 
there was two people very, very early on. It was the, she was the founder of a Galloway group here, a run walk group here. And it was my very first training partner. Like those two people now, like I call them my muses of running because they're the ones that really inspired this love of running because they showed me what was possible. And then they allowed me to like be who I was in that moment. So I think that's like a big piece of that inclusivity and accessibility. Again, layered under the, are there run clubs in your area? Do you have shoes? Do you have this? Under all of that stuff, I think it it really does take us one talking about it, but then us being proactive in making sure that we are representing the sport in a way that does make other people want to come. And sometimes that means that, hey, you eight minute miler, maybe today you're going to actually run 1030. And that 1030, like you're, you just don't know. For me, it's like, you don't know what you can be setting off for someone and why not? Why? Like, if it's that one day, why not do it? Right. Right. I mean, if Kipchoge can do it, right. Why can't you? (laughs) Absolutely. Come on. Come on. Or you even have, um, if you follow like Alexi Papas, she's, she's an Olympian and she did the same thing. Like she had, I think two years ago with the New York city marathon, it was, she was coming back from like a hip surgery, wasn't going to run the race that she wanted to run. And she took that race to like celebrate and she made a friend on the course. And like, it was just such a beautiful story and that for her transformed running for her. So like kind of going back to what you said earlier of like, if it's good enough for the elites to do it, and if the elites are doing it and they're going through this, then us everyday amateur average runners, we can do it as well. Definitely. Definitely. (laughs) All right. Last thing here is tell everyone where we can find you, how we can connect with you. And if you have anything exciting coming up. Okay. So the best way to connect with me is on Instagram. That's where I'm most active. I have a Facebook, but I don't don't really use it at all. I'm lucky if I remember to go on there once in a while. Um, <laughs> my Instagram handle is CNC Run, which is S-E-E underscore E-N-S-E-E Run. Um, and then the other questions were, what do I have coming up? Yeah. Um, I don't really have anything planned right now. <laughs> I am a good place still, to be. Yeah, I am still running wise. I don't have anything really. Um, I'm doing a couple of 5Ks, I think. Um, like I said, I'm kind of stepping back a bit. I told myself I am not running a marathon this year. Um, so I'm thinking of getting in uh, spring half, probably a fall half. We'll see where I'm at, though, because like I said, that can always change. Um, And I am currently, though, in a 300-hour yoga teacher training. So I'm going to be doing a lot of yoga. (laughs) My life is going to be pretty much enthralled in the yoga world right now. Um, That's kind of where I'm at right now with my running and stuff. You know, I'm really going back to my why. I'm really going back to grounding myself again with my running um and really just finding joy in it and coming back to you know loving getting out and getting out there every day to go move my body 
Yeah. And that's as we kind of coming back full circle in a way of, of where we started to where we're at right now, where it's, that's a beautiful place to be because that just means everything's available to you. Right. It's not like, it's not like for myself where I have the London marathon, that's what I'm training for coming up in April. And it's like, that's it. Like they're, they're like, that's like a very clear path. Whereas where you're at is like, Hmm, I can take really any path that does bring me joy. And not to say that this path towards London doesn't bring me joy, but it's very much like a, a pretty set path. Whereas where you're at is like a lot of room for curiosity and exploration as you figure out where to go next. Yes. I feel like my last two years have been very, you know, I had CIM, I had Chicago, I had you know, my two halves in the spring, they were very focused and exactly like you, there was a goal. I knew where I was going. And right now I'm like, I really don't have, I don't know where I'm going right now. (laughs) And that's, that's okay. And again, it's like that foreign idea. It's that foreign concept. I feel a little, it's a little unnerving sometimes, but again, it's just coming back to like, exactly. There's opportunity for anything to happen. And Mm. it's a pretty fun place to be in, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you're like, I don't have a goal, I don't know what to do. Well, one, get a coach and then the coach will help you figure it out as we've talked about here. And the coach will make sure that it makes sense with your lifestyle or at least ask the questions to help you figure out what makes sense for you right now. But yeah, it's okay to not know where you're going and it's okay to not have a plan because it's totally okay to just be open to it all. So Nicole, thank you for sharing all of that with us for sharing everything that you shared with us today. It has been so much fun to talk to you and any last words for us? No, I think that's, I think we covered a lot. I mean, we went over the 70 minutes, right? I think we did. We totally went over y'all are in for a treat with this one. We totally went over. So thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you real soon. Bye. Bye. I always end these conversations with a question about accessibility and recently also inclusivity. I don't ask this expecting a one-size-fits-all answer or like one answer will be more right over another. I ask because it's important as lovers of the sport to talk about how we can help the sport grow and what barriers may be in place preventing people from giving running a try. We can all do better and sometimes the first step towards better is as simple as asking how. Thank you, Nicole, for being curious with me and for reminding us that life is lived in layers. For more on Nicole, follow her at her new Instagram handle at theyogini underscore runner and check out risingmountainscoaching.com for more on her coaching services. You can also follow me on Instagram at thecookierunner. Check out my website at thecookierunner.net and support season two of the podcast over at anchor.fm slash runners roundtable. Until next time, run happy, run strong, and run true to you.